Bulimia sucks, but you don't, and here's why. The Bulimia Sucks podcast with Kate Hudson Hall will teach you how to begin breaking through the multitude of thoughts, feelings, triggers, and urges to empower yourself to change your painful behaviors completely. You will hear proven strategies and solutions to help you in your recovery, including real interviews with real people. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calm this. Check it out now on Amazon. And now... Another episode of Bulimia Sucks, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Bulimia Sucks. I'm your host, Kate Hudson-Hall, and thank you so much for listening. Now, this is a platform for people to share relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations based on bulimia, anorexia, and other eating disorders. Now, episodes will include talking to professionals who work with people with eating disorders um, who maybe have in the past struggled with their own difficulties with food um, and an eating disorder. And we also talk to people who are struggling now with an eating disorder um, and they join us and share their personal stories and their difficult journeys and how they have taken their steps onto their recovery path through their recovery path and then come out the other side free so it's a great podcast i'm excited that you're here now i have created a free bulimia sucks course to help you get started on your recovery pathway. So if you wanted to find out more about that, if you go to katehudson-hall.com and you can find it on there and come and join me as I help you through your journey. And the other thing I'd like to mention is about my coloring books. Oh yes, I've been making coloring books and they are out now on Amazon. And there is one for bulimia, and anorexia, a binge eating one, and also one for anxiety. It's an anxiety stress relieving coloring book. And I have really enjoyed making these. And there's 35 plus easy to color patterns. And they each have an inspiring quote on them. And then on the opposite page are questions about that quote, about what you can learn about the quote, what you can learn about yourself, um, and they're really popular and I thoroughly enjoyed making them. So check those out if you put my name into Amazon and then they will all come up. Now, I'm very pleased today with our guest who's joining us. Now, our guest is Dr. Ellen Albertson, and she is a psychologist, a registered dietitian, national board certified health and wellness coach, a Reiki master and mindful self-compassion teacher and is also known as the midlife whisperer. <laughs> I love that. She helps women raise their vibration so they have the energy, confidence and clarity to make their next chapter their best chapter. Now, Ellen has written five books and her latest book is Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. So I'm very excited to welcome Ellen. Oh, 
Thank you, Kate. So good to be here. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. It is a pleasure. And I didn't know about your coloring book, so I'm excited to check those out. I oh, love, I love coloring. It's such a great thing to do to be mindful and deal with anxiety. Yeah. And your book is just phenomenal. I know it's such an important piece of work for all the people who have suffered with bulimia. So thank you for all the work that you're doing and for having me on your show today. Oh, thank you for joining me. So now, Ellen, so tell us now, have you got a funny story for us? I do. So um, I'm rocking my midlife and I'm recently engaged and I love um, the story of our first date. So my first date with Kenny, he came uh, wheeling a huge cooler of vegetables. So he's a master gardener. We have a humongous garden and it was filled with, oh gosh, what do we make? We made, we were so ambitious. We made um, stuffed squash blossoms and we made roasted (laughs) kale and we made pesto from scratch. Oh, we made zoodles. Have you ever had zoodles? No, I don't even know what it is. So what you do is you take zucchini or any squash and it's this machine that spiralizes them and makes them in long um, spirals like spaghetti that are so, it's so much fun. So we had so much fun. It was just such a great way to start a relationship. We're both passionate about wellness. We're we're planning to make it to at least a hundred. And it's a great story too, because (laughs) like you, I had an eating disorder. Um, You know, I, I had anorexia before people knew what anorexia was. And I had sort of you know, this just, I was addicted to exercise. My body was never good enough. And so it's so lovely to just have this incredible freedom around food, around my body. I've never, I don't think I've I've ever appreciated and liked my body um, as much as I do now. So if you're listening, there is hope. You can have a healthy relationship with your body and with food. Absolutely. And I can totally, that's totally where I am with the whole eating patterns and how I look. And and it's it's motivating and invigorating and people need to hear that they can get to where we are and be free of those negative eating patterns. Yes. And there's so much help right now too. I know when I was, um, I'm 59. And so when I was 19, I didn't have a period and my mother just assumed, you know, it was a gynecological or a hormonal related thing. And it was because I was too darn thin. Yeah. I was running, you know, at that sort of athletic triad. I was running five to 15 miles a day. I weighed about a hundred pounds um, and I wasn't eating a heck of a lot, but back then nobody understood or knew. So they just gave me birth control pills. I got a period and problem was solved, but it's something that haunted me for a long time. I grew up in a family where people were more afraid of gaining weight than dying. So there was this, you know, pressure to eat right, you know, stay healthy, but it's sort of overdoing it. And food always felt like something that I had total control over. Whereas there were other things that I didn't, it felt like, you know, people praised me for being skinny. So it's something that I, you know, I really would, you know, fall asleep at night, counting my calories, making sure that I had done enough. And then I became a dietitian, which is crazy thinking that if I understood everything about fat and calories, then somehow I would be at peace around my weight. And of course it, it, it didn't work. It only made me even more obsessed around my weight and calories and staying thin. So then what, what, what happened after that? What was your next step to help you to begin to break a free from yeah, well, it, anorexia? Yeah, and I don't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the level of anorexia where my life was endangered, but I, it was, you know, I think I got married and it, the interesting thing is my ex-husband and I were actually the cooking couple. So I was a celebrity chef. 
So it was this sort of food obsession, but then sort of this guilt around eating. So then I didn't, you know, technically have anorexia after I would say, you know, my thirties when I was with my ex-husband, but then I also became a personal fitness trainer. And so I was exercising for four to six hours a day with all of my clients had negative body image. So kind of was this weird progression around my body and food that didn't get to a healthy place. The thing that really did it, um, honestly was learning self-compassion and also getting a PhD in psychology with an emphasis on media. My dissertation chair and I were actually analyzing all of these women's magazines. I don't know if you have them in the UK, but the ones that say, you know, lose 10 pounds oh, in 20 minutes gosh, by eating chocolate. Absolutely. I mean, it's madness. So, you know, I started understanding the agenda of the media to make women feel bad about their bodies and themselves. So then we'll buy things or we'll overeat as a way to comfort ourselves. And so I started understanding how this all worked. And then I wanted to find a way to really help women transform their bodies and themselves. And I was fortunate enough to come across um, Kristen Neff, who is the pioneer in this whole area of self-compassion. And she was willing to be on my dissertation committee, but she required me to, to learn self-compassion. So off I went to Omega for a five-day retreat and I learned self-compassion, became a self-compassion teacher, started practicing. And that's what transformed me. And my research actually showed that simply practicing self-compassion, which is essentially treating yourself like you would a good friend for about an hour a week, reduce body shame, body dissatisfaction, self-worth based on appearance and improve body appreciation. So it was kind of a, an interesting way to address this body image issue. You're not addressing it directly, but by being kinder to yourself, you can't continue that same, you know, berating yourself dialogue that you have with your body. So that was kind of the thing that was about a, a decade ago that really transformed my relationship with food and my relationship with my body. And how do you practice that now? Well, I do formal meditation. So uh, when you're practicing, you can do both formal and informal. So self-compassion essentially is treating yourself the way you would a good friend. So formal practices are things like loving kindness meditation. There are um, breathing exercises where you're sending, you know, yourself positive, happy, you know, vibrations. Um, and then there are informal things. So basically if you're listening, what I recommend doing is making a list of all the ways you care for yourself or you'd like to care for yourself. And then the key thing with self-compassion is noticing when you're stressed or suffering. And then doing those things. So noticing right now, you know, I'm feeling really stressed. And I'm feeling like, you know, I need to binge, but how else could I care for myself? Could I make myself a cup of tea? Could I go for a walk? Could I play with my pet? So really the, the self-compassion has three different elements. So the first is being kind to yourself rather than critical. So I've really changed my self-talk. I don't do this, you know, you're not thin enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough stuff. Work harder, the self-critic. I'm kind to myself. I talk to myself like I would a good friend or like a wise, if I had, you know, a wise sister, what she would say to me. So that's the first and thing. And I think that's really important. I think that, Ellen, I think that's really important because most of the time, particularly if you have an eating disorder, this mental draining negative voice constant berating is so difficult to um constantly have in your head and and how how would you suggest that people sort of take that how can they actually step back from all that negativity that negative voice 
Well, first understand that the negative voice is trying to help you. The negative voice is the internalized voice of early caregivers. So, you know, if your mom said, you know, clean your plate, clean your room, get good grades and stay skinny at the same time, right? We do those things because if we don't listen to our caregivers, we're in danger of not being cared for and we're in danger of not being loved. So as little kids, you know, we don't have the perspective uh, that we do now, but we still have that, you know, that, that six or seven year old is driving the show. So first understand where that voice comes from, understanding that it's not yours, but it's that internalized voice of, you know, maybe mom or dad or other caregivers. Yeah. And, you know, and understanding when I work with people, I do something called um, internal family systems. I don't know if you're familiar with the technique, but, but, you know, I essentially say, okay, so that's the voice of, you know, your self-critic or your people pleaser or your good girl. Um, imagine that she's sitting over on the couch. What would you like to say to her? Or how does it make you feel when she's talking to you? So sort of um, externalize it, realizing that, you know, this isn't me. This is a voice that sort of these old tapes. And then maybe asking the voice, you know, um, how are you trying to support me? So understanding, getting to know that inner critic, and then see if you can give your critic another job. Yeah. So either you know, give your critic a time out or just say, you know, well, every time you appear, I'm going to practice self-compassion. When I hear my inner critic, instead of listening, I'm going to say, thank you very much. And I'm going to put my hand on my heart and just say, you know what? This is a moment of suffering. I'm stressed right now. And I'm here for me. Yes. Yes. So every time you hear, you're, you're consciously aware of that negative voice to actually step back and then take do it you because you've got to change that pattern break that pattern and so then actually you know listen to what's actually going on for you and, yeah, and it's and yeah, being kind a, to yourself absolutely and i think another thing to understand too is that um people think that they need their inner critic uh in order to be motivated And the research really shows that your inner critic actually undermines motivation because when you criticize yourself or someone criticizes you, you generate cortisol, which is the hormone of fight or flight. Uh, It's the stress hormone. It actually shuts you down and is very demotivating. And it's interesting when you, I work with um, women who have anorexia, they actually don't want to get rid of their inner critic. They feel like I have to have her. I don't want to practice self-compassion because if I lose that inner critic, they're really afraid that the floodgates are going to open up and they're just going to eat everything in sight. Yeah. 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 Wow. And so what was the third thing that you were going to say about the self-compassion? So there are three elements. So the first is that that um, self-kindness versus the judgment, self-criticism. Right. The second is common humanity. So common humanity is essentially realizing that we all make mistakes, we all fail, and when things go wrong, it's normal. I think that's something that you know COVID has really shown us is that yeah. this we're all in this together. Like things are not normal, things are not going okay. I think so often when things go wrong, we think that this isn't okay. And we beat ourselves up. This shouldn't be happening. Yeah. But with self-compassion, you realize that this is normal. It's like, you know, when the Buddha looked over the wall and he saw like somebody who was sick and somebody who was dying and somebody who was starving or poor realized, oh my gosh, this is like what happens to human beings. And so there isn't this isolation and you don't feel so alone. And then the third element of self-compassion after the, the kindness and the common humanity is mindfulness. 
So with self-compassion, you're mindful when you're stressed and struggling. I think that, you know, when I work with clients, I'm going to your, your experience, Kate, but getting people to pause, like when you feel this difficult emotion, I'm angry right now, or I'm sad, or I'm frustrated. And we go right to the threesome with Ben and Jerry's, but you pause and you go, okay, I'm mindful. This is what I'm feeling. And you name it. So I'm naming this emotion. This is sadness. I'm feeling really sad right now. Noticing, name it, you tame it, feel it, you heal it. Where am I feeling it in my body? Like you that. know, mm. is it around my heart? You know, is it in my, my stomach, my throat? And then just let it come and go. And then asking yourself, okay, what do I need to really feel better? Cause that threesome with Ben and Jerry's is not gonna help solve your problem, right? You, it's going to deaden it while you're in that binge moment. But after the carton is empty, not only have you not addressed your issues, but now you might be feeling guilt. You might be physically not feeling okay. And then you, it might send you back into the sort of the diet binge cycle. So name it, you tame it, feel it, you heal it, and just be mindful of how you are feeling. Give yourself what you need. Yeah. And turning towards it. Yeah. And opening up to it. Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah, I teach mindfulness and I just find it so beneficial for everything. Absolutely everything. <laughs> I think everybody should be practicing mindfulness to be able to give themselves a break. And, press and enjoy life too. Yeah. You know, when we're mindful, it's just, and mindfulness is just experiencing what you're experiencing, why, experiencing why we're experiencing it. You can't be stressed, anxious, or depressed when you're in the moment you're okay. Cause anxiety is about fear of the future. What's going to happen to me. Yeah. Depression is about being stuck in the past, but when you're in the present moment, you're okay. Yeah. And we're hardly ever in the present moment and people need to learn how to do that and learn to be in the present moment. Cause they've done so much research, haven't they, about how beneficial it is to practice mindfulness. Yeah. And it's also, it's an, an act of self-compassion too, because yeah. when you're mindful, you turn off what's called your default mode network. So there's this network that runs down the middle of your brain. That's constantly scanning for your okayness. Am I okay? How do I fit in comparing yourself to other people? When you're mindful, you're just present and you're, you are so much happier. And I think when we're in that place too, that's where, you know, the joy can creep in where we can have these moments and experience um, some positive emotions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. So um, Ellen, tell us about your new book. So my new book is Rock Your Midlife, and it is seven steps to transform yourself and make your next chapter your best chapter. And I wrote the book because, first of all, I went through a huge midlife transformation myself. I went from, you know, caterpillar to a butterfly, and I wanted to share my experience. I've helped hundreds of so women. So what does that mean? You went from a caterpillar to a butterfly for you? For me, so I was, um, I was depressed. I had clinical depression. I had the, you know, the eating issues that I described before. I was kind of treating it with antidepressants and exercise. Um, I was in a marriage that was making me miserable and I was scared to leave. Um, I wasn't very healthy physically. I looked great on the outside, but I had Hashimoto's disease, um, which is a, an autoimmune disease that's related to the thyroid gland. So you know, I, I might've looked well, but inside I was really crumbling. It was like, um, my caterpillar was like climbing up, I guess, crawling up this ladder of success, but it was up against the wrong building. Ah, oh, good. I like um, that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 
on the outside, it had looked, it looked, my life looked great on the outside. You know, I had a nice house and people thought my marriage was fine. And I had two beautiful, still do have two beautiful children, the dog, the whole nine yards, but it was somebody else's idea of happiness, not mine. Yeah. Because it's like, I'd been following someone else's script. And I think, you know, with eating disorders, sometimes we need to, you know, address what's really bothering us. We need to figure out who the heck am I? And that's the, so the, the book is really for women who want to transform at midlife. Um, I wrote it to help hopefully thousands of women. And also I want to change the way that we um, look at midlife, right? When you, you Google midlife, what comes up is the wrong side of 40 and it's conjoined with crisis. And I'm really here to say, I know your experience, but I'm loving midlife. I'm having so much fun. I feel great. I am in a great relationship. So I wanted to give women hope that they can change. So I provide seven steps and women can go through all of them. They can start wherever they like. So the first step is authenticity. So really getting to know who am I, right? What do you love to do? What did you like to do as a kid? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Really getting to know who you are because- Well, I think because we don't actually stop and really think about that, who we are. And what we like, no, we just like bumble along. Right. And then we're not happy because we're not being ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, So spending some time and revisiting those things you like to do as a kid. So authenticity is is super important if you want to rock your midlife. The second step is self-compassion, which we talked about, but it's a huge game changer. I mean, not only we didn't talk too much about the research with eating disorders, but certainly with binge eating disorder, um, self-compassion can really help you to learn how to work productively with your emotions. It's emotional regulatory technique. So when you're feeling those difficult emotions, you don't go running to a binge, but instead you feel things. So it's self-compassion, loving yourself, going from uh, self-loathing to self-love is number two. Number three is energize yourself. So I've been a dietitian for almost 30 years. So I really give people, um, just kind of in a chapter summarizing my sort of nutritional philosophy, certainly mindful eating, intuitive eating is the way to go. But in terms of the, the foods to eat, really, you know, recommending a whole food plant-based diet doesn't mean that you can't, you know, you can eat other, you know, lots of other things, but focusing on eating more plants, eating more healthfully. So you have good energy. Also talk, I talked there also about menopause and things like sleep and rest and stress. Uh, the fourth chapter is reprogram your brain. So we touched on that a little bit about, you know, changing the, that self-talk, being more focused, being more mindful, giving people techniques they can use and giving people again, the understanding and the hope that you can change your brain chemistry. You can change your brain through something called neuroplasticity, where you can change those neural pathways. So that's the build new neural pathways. So your brain stops using the old pathway and then dives in and use that new builds that new positive pathway. Right. Which is what your book is all about. I was just so blown away by the techniques that you have put forth in the world to help people to change their brains to stop. Yeah. It takes time. I mean, you, you know, you, you've taken a long time to make those grooves in your brain, but you can change them. And a healthy diet also can really help to And exercise certainly can help to bring more, you know, blood and oxygen nutri- nutrients to your brain to help you to be more focused. And then the fifth step is empowerment. So empowerment is really about finding power from within. 
You know, so often we're looking for power from other people, other things to help us to feel, you know, powerful, but to look from within and to use that first chapter of authenticity to figure out who am I, what am I here to do? And then I also talk a little bit in that chapter about the law of attraction of how to really create the life that you want through your thoughts and through your emotions, because it really does work. Yeah. And then the sixth is rehab your relationships because um, what happens is you become the butterfly, right? You're up there, the wings are drying, you know, you're drinking the nectar and hanging out with other butterflies, but the old, <laughs> the old folks in your life still think you're the caterpillar. And so you have to work on your relationships. And I'm sure you, you cover that a lot with people too. Relationships are a tough one yeah. for people at all, yeah. at any, wherever you are at your life. So what I recommend there is you've got to let that people please or good girl go. And that's so important, you know, there's such an emphasis in this work on the self-care. And so often we want to do the self-care, but what happens is when we start to do it, we feel guilty because we've been taught to put everybody else first. So you've got to let that people pleaser go and just start to please yourself. Realize I got to put my own oxygen mask on first, if I'm going to help anybody else. So let the people pleaser go, create some boundaries. So I have a place where people can actually write a bill of rights for what they, you know, I have a right to feel my feelings, to speak my truth, to take care of my body, to, you know, have space for myself, writing a bill of rights of what you stand for and thinking about um, what happens when people cross the line? What are you going to do when someone crosses the line and, and crosses your boundary? And the third part of the um, relationship chapter is something called um, nonviolent communication of how do I actually communicate? with people in my life so I can get my needs met. And then the last chapter is about enlightenment. So it's about finding passion, purpose, connecting with your spiritual practice, really finding how to have more joy in your life. And then there's also um, a, a section on getting unstuck. Um, and then I also have a companion uh, journal that goes with it so people can do some journaling oh, and you really do. transform. Right. Yes. Oh, excellent. So then they can, because journaling is so powerful, isn't it, for people? And they can learn so much about themselves and start to unravel that confused mind. And then through your book, then piecing it all back together. Yeah, wow. journaling is a great way to get in touch with our sort of, you know, our subconscious, our thoughts. It's a powerful practice. I've been, this year, I've been doing a little bit of journaling in the evenings, just sort of writing out. I like to write out um, just what happened the day, what I learned, what drained me. And then, of course, keeping gratitude is super powerful to yeah. just keep your vibration at a nice, um, at, a, at a higher level. Yeah, incredible, incredible. And how is the book doing? The book is doing well. It has mostly, I think I've got, I've got, um, I think like 65 five-star reviews. So it's been selling oh, well. My. I've just, it's either, I think it's, um, you either love it or you don't. I've had, I, the funny thing, I don't, your experience with writing is I have, I think 65 five-star reviews and two one-star reviews. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. You, it's part of the thing you, when you put yourself out there, not everybody, I, I read this yesterday. Um, it's such a great quote is that, you know, if everybody likes you, you aren't playing big enough. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because so not everybody's going to like you. But it's been helping a lot of women. I think for me, that's mm. really my motivator is really, uh, you know, as a coach, we can only work with so many people, right? Yeah. As a yeah. coach, as a therapist, but through our books, through podcasts, through all the things we put out in the world, we can reach so many more people. So it, it's doing well. It's on Amazon. You can certainly get the digital copy of Rock Your Midlife or the paperback. And I guarantee it will help you to start to transform wherever you find yourself. 
oh, we need to all check it out. So we too can become butterflies. <laughs> so great, great. So Ellen, tell me, so if somebody was at the stage where they were in the depths of their eating disorder um, and they had listened to our podcast here today and they were thinking about how they could take that first step onto their recovery path, what would you suggest to them? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I would suggest certainly getting some help you know, getting some, some books and things and, and practicing self-compassion. I know that that was the transformative piece in my life, even starting something as simple as, you know, before I have a binge or when I'm having these negative feelings, if it's anorexia, I'm going to put my hand on my heart and I'm just going to say, I love myself and I care about myself. I want to do what I need to do to recover, but knowing that, you know, you can recover, there are people out there, but I would say the first step is really to get some help, whether that's getting a book, whether that's speaking with a therapist like yourself, whether that's getting coaching, there's so many people out there. Don't stay isolated and alone, reach out even on Instagram. I'm amazed. I don't know if we met on Instagram, but there's so many people talking about everything. Um, and there's so many people who are there to help you. So um, recovery is totally possible, but get some help. Yeah, absolutely. And even just reading other people's stories is a big help and what they've been through and where they are and, you know, maybe what they've done to be able to, you know, to take their first step. And I would say too, is, um, forgive yourself. It's not your fault. Mm. You know, I was uh, working with somebody who had a tremendous amount of abuse and, um, you know, or in, and she also was trying to quit smoking and it was like, it's not your fault. You know, your parents smoked and you started smoking, you know, as a little kid, you know, kids are curious and they're picking up the cigarettes and it's around them all the time. This isn't your fault. Yeah. So forgive yourself and, and be easy with yourself. It's not, you know, and, and if you do make a mistake, learn from your mistake and, you know, and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And let it go. Yes. Just holding on to it and giving yourself a hard time is not going to help, is it? It's No, it's going to make it worse. Yeah, yeah. So we realized before we started the podcast, it's actually Valentine's Day. Yes, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> and so, um, which also can be a very difficult time for people, um, for some people, and... Um, do you have any suggestions for somebody with an eating disorder around Valentine's time? Well, certainly again, practicing self-compassion. So um, I often do a, a challenge of be your own BFF, be your own best friend forever. Take yourself out on that date. And, you know, and also if you want to, you can ignore the whole thing. I think that, you know, we're finding that we can opt out of holidays. So if you're feeling like uh, it is triggering things for you, you don't need to participate. You can and it's okay. Just, it's okay yeah. not to not to pick up on all the hype about it and just stand back and find something that would comfort you to do yeah, so, that evening. And something that I have um, in the journal in in the book is you know write a love letter to to yourself. Perhaps the way thinking about you know if I had a wise friend, what would she say to me? So it would be like you know, dear Beth, I love your smile and you are such a kind person and those, um, those, uh, 
oatmeal chip cookies that you make are just divine. I, you know, really appreciate your sense of humor and um, I love your beautiful hair. Just writing yourself a letter. And I understand that, you know, you're going through something right now. I understand that this time of year, the Valentine's Day is really hard for you. And I want to let you know that I love you and I care about you and I'm here for you. So it, it actually is a um, self-compassion exercise of writing a self-compassionate letter to yourself. So you can either do it directly to yourself. You can pretend that you have a dear friend who's you and you're writing to them. Sometimes it's easier for people to kind of extrapolate yeah. it or you have a wise friend. So something you might want to do in Valentine's says, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write myself um, a love letter and maybe get yourself a little something. I, I think um, something I love to yeah. do with my clients, creating a bucket list and picking something. My big thing right now is I am learning to play the ukulele and I am loving it. It is so much fun. So <laughs> you know, the ukulele, how brilliant it is. It's, it's a, it's a fun instrument, but do something fun for yourself. You know, something you've always wanted to do, be your own best friend. I mean, it, I think it's so interesting that, you know, we, we come into the world, all we have is ourselves, you know, we're with ourselves from our first breath to our last breath, maybe setting intention to treat yourself nicely that today and every day, because you're with yourself all the time and you have this incredible resource 24 seven to support you. So maybe make it a day to fall in love with yourself, take yourself out on a date. But again, if you want to just ignore it. That's totally fine too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ellen, for all your practical, valuable, inspiring information. This has My been pleasure. really incredible for people. And so it's, many things to learn, to take away, to practice. Yeah, it's great. I will, I will listen more to your podcast because I think too, it's, it's not just for people with eating disorders. It, you have so many wonderful tips I found in your book, even though I've recovered, I found so many great tips and just the way that you really help people to change that inner dialogue. And I can't wait to look at your coloring books. That's that's, oh, that's yes. exciting. Maybe I'll do that for Valentine's Day. Spend some time coloring. <laughs> I love coloring. Oh, I do too. I do too. And especially I've chosen some really um, heartfelt quotes to put in the, all, all of the coloring books, some real touching ones. Um, and it's a great and, thing to, to do while you pod, listen to podcasts. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Get your pens and then take some time out and I'll answer the questions afterwards, because I think that they are really important questions and you can learn so much about yourself from that particular quote. So good. Well, thank you so much, Helen. This has been excellent. My pleasure. Thank you. So that's all for today's episode of Bulimia Sucks. And thank you to everybody for listening and for joining us today. And as you, as I, we have been mentioning here, check out my book, Bulimia Sucks on Amazon, to learn many different techniques to help you to begin to break through your painful bulimic behaviors. And I'd love to hear what you think. So please leave me a review. So thank you for listening. And I look forward to chatting with you in the next episode. Bulimia Sucks but you don't. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calmness. Check it out now on Amazon. 